funny because uh sorry everyone julia and i just spent like approximately 15 minutes talking about nonsense and uh (laughs) some of it we probably should have recorded for this so apologies on that (laughs) julia at one point was like that's a good segue into the book and i was like well we're not recording well it's too late (laughs) we'll have to find another one it's okay because the segue that we had before was like a little bit of a spoiler and also not proven but like very obvious that's true it was also a spoiler for um the jinx on hbo so oh you know we should uh probably have a good that that didn't record anyway i mean (laughs) it's been out for a while so but whatever i I don't want to spoil it it's great yeah if you're looking for a binge show, yeah, The Jinx is great. I know I'm like really late to the game. I did watch it a while ago, and John and I were just rewatching it because um, it's so good. Anyway, this is not about The Jinx. <laughs> no, this is about a completely different murderer. <gasps> That's true. It is <gasps> murder. murder. Most cozy. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> um, well, welcome to Paranormal Captivity, everyone. Welcome to... What part are we on? Three? Part three? Oh, three! Also, sorry, I couldn't focus for a second because I just in my head was like spinning off of Paranormal Captivity and going like, Paranormal Quarantivity. <laughs> <laughs> we are still in quarantine. <laughs> Coming to you live, not live, pre-recorded from our quarantines. From our houses where we've been for the past two months. <laughs> um, yes, we are on part three of Caught Dead Handed. And we should take a little moment here to say we have, after this book, we have this episode and then we have next episode next week um, for the fourth part of then the dramatic conclusion of Caught Dead Handed. Yes. And then... We have a super fun episode for you guys that we've actually already recorded. We're just holstering it until we finish this book. Yeah. Special episode. Woo. Yeah. 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 Special episode. It's going to be. Oh, my God. It was so fun. It was so like such a blast. And like so like I don't even. So we did read a book. We did have a guest. <laughs> and I don't want to give anything else away except that the book was. It was pretty different from what we normally do but pretty fabulous (laughs) yeah yeah it was a good little little diversion again from uh from some of the strict cozy mysteries although segue back into the book i have been really enjoying this book although i am slightly concerned about this supposed twist that we have here at the end yeah i feel like Excuse me. I'm drinking a Bloody Mary, so. Oh, wow. Look at that. <laughs> special, yes, yeah, special little. I'm going to get some peppers caught in my throat maybe this episode, but <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so we don't have the twist out yet. 
There have been like a couple twist reveals, but I do feel like it's very obvious what the twist is going to be. Yeah. And it's been pretty obvious for like since the beginning of this section. So like since halfway through the book and just like no one's kind of come out with it yet. Yeah. Um but yes. So I I I know why you're concerned. I am also a little bit concerned, mm-hmm. and I hope that they address it correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel like our concerns are maybe even spoilers. <laughs> because... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I... Well, I think... Yeah, I think there's, like... I think there's, like, a way to, like... I don't... There's no way to talk about this without spoiling it. Yeah. But, like, I, I know why you're concerned about it, and I I know, like, this is something that Lillian Jackson Braun has vaguely addressed in the past. Mm-hmm. Like, very different, but I, it's, like, sort of in the, like, a similar vein of, like, what it could be in terms of, like, not addressing something like this correctly, but they are, like, very different. It's... Cut this whole part out, because... <laughs> I won't. <laughs> no, I know what you're saying. I, like, I, yeah, I just hope that they they address because I I feel like Lillian Jackson Brown did not address that there are like different like there are differences. Yes, in like what she was talking about and like what it came off as. Right. And I hope in this book they do differentiate between like what this what the like twist is actually going to be and what it's going to like potentially come off as yes Uh, yeah i think you're exactly right about that and like i think you're also right that i you know we have read you know what is it 95 percent lillian jackson braun and like this is maybe one of the most recent books that we've read and you know not to tout my alma mater here but alma mater alma mater all of a sudden that word like didn't mean anything to me. <laughs> I guess that's what quarantine does. Alma mater. Yeah, I think that's the right word. <laughs> My uh, the college I went to um is like super open and super liberal and like super progressive as far, you know, when I went there. So I do I should I should maybe get myself out of Lillian Jackson Brown, <clears throat> excuse me, Lillian Jackson Brown brain and get myself into you know, someone who was born and raised in New England and went to Emerson brain, like maybe that's, you know, something that's more helpful. I think to, you know, uh, even aside from my initial concerns, sorry, everyone, we're talking in like such vague terms. I feel like we do have to preface it a little bit though, just to like go into before we go into it. Um, I th- I feel like the second, my second concern, my main concern is, is the first one that we have vaguely been talking about. <laughs> that we that haven't, we haven't at even all. really mentioned <laughs> or explained. <laughs> but my second one is that, I mean, I guess it kind of goes hand in hand with the first in that this is something that I feel like mysteries in general, the genre, have used in the past. And so in some ways, yes, it feels unfair to unfair and not a full capture of oh my god, I'm literally trying not to spoil anything. <laughs> different <laughs> mental illnesses, different spectrums, different things. At the mm-hmm. same time, like, it also feels, because it's been used so clunkily in the past, that, you know, it almost feels like, I'm I'm worried that I'm going to be let down by the end, as well as angry about where it went. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
in the sense of like, I feel like something like this has been used as like a, we have a twist that you'll never see coming. And it's like, well, not but only we is this did lame. see it coming. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like the Because it's been used, used so much. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, oh, I did also make a note to mention that I did not do as much research as I should have. I really, I did want to, and I will look into this, um, also, but the term gypsy is used quite a bit throughout this, which I don't believe is. Oh, I actually do. Proper. I do know about that. So gypsy is not the proper term. It is offensive and I thought, yeah, I thought so. should not be used because, um, <laughs> thank you, anthropology background. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, so gypsy is a term that was used to describe the Roma population because mm-hmm. people historically assumed that they came from Egypt, which is not oh. the case. Um, Interesting. And I, I mean, I'm not going to pretend to know where like the origins of the Roma people are, but they generally are settled in like Eastern Europe at this point. Right. Um, and there are quite a, f- a few of them in Albania. I was just going to ask. Yeah. Yeah. There were quite a few of them in Albania. I think like, you know, many other Eastern European countries have like their specific Roma populations and they did speak Albanian. I don't know if they had their own language also, but they were like, they were just like an Albanian population. Like they were mm-hmm. considered to be a minority in the country but they were like to me as an outsider like i saw them as albanian because that was like their home country they were like born and raised there they spoke albanian right but you know i think they did consider themselves to be like ethnically different gotcha that being said no one described no one used the term gypsy in albania like that's not something that is i think used in areas where they live like they probably have their own like whatever word they use to describe themselves i'm sure they have like their own words and descriptions and like their own communities but roma is the one that i know gotcha right and at least in albania i don't think anyone was under the assumption that the roma population was from egypt because they also had an egyptian population got there and it was like very clear that the two were like two distinct groups of people they had like the roma population and the egyptian population that had both like kind of resettled in albania so there were like definitely it was definitely two distinct groups and like i'd never heard the word gypsy once got it yeah i this book uses that term a lot and as the more and more it kept coming out coming through i i did i did do like a teeny bit of research and i was kind of looking into it and i was like i think a lot of this is based in stereotype like you're saying like they assumed they were from the wrong place and like Mm -hmm. yeah as a as a preface this book does use that term a lot in in a really it's definitely used in a very just a very it's usually used about clothes actually so it's usually used in a descriptive way of Mm -hmm. to describe like a certain obviously stereotypical but uh more of a style that she Mm -hmm. um lee slash crystal moon is going for yeah so as a heads up sorry i took us on like a 25 minute detour but uh, you know a learning detour hopefully detour yeah (laughs) but okay so yes so now that we've spent this entire episode prefacing maybe we should get into it yes so 
We read chapters 21 through 33, I think. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I made you read more than you wanted to. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's okay. This is probably a good... Because I know I I short-changed us on the first section. (laughs) So we read a, a very short first section. So I think we might be more at the three quarters mark i don't know we read what we read <laughs> we read what we read and i did get kind of into it. i think part of the reason i read so much is that i kind of got i started getting into it mostly for the love the third love interest that springs up here <gasps> oh no yes yeah. we got some steamy love interest yeah action going on and i'm excited for i don't know if we mentioned that this is happening in the last section but there is a ball coming up that i'm very excited for same mostly because my work was supposed to have a gala this year and i was like really excited to get dressed up for it and like wear a nice sparkly dress for like the first time in 10 years and it obviously got canceled because of covid (laughs) so i'm like ball 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 yeah (laughs) and i especially loved that so this is not a spoiler. This is pr- from the beginning. Um, Scott is no not no different in her perception. Scott is like not really even in this section, to be honest. Yeah, he has like one semi important line, mostly just in getting her to the ball. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And like that part, I loved because later she was like, "Oh, I thought Scott was like." So basically, his like whole entire through line in this section is that he invites her to the ball. She's like, oh, he is interested. And then she finds out from Doan, the station head, that he was that he had told Scott to take her for like publicity reasons and like get some headshots or whatever. And she was like, oh, that fucking weasel. And so she makes a promise <laughs> to herself that she's going to get so fucking glitzed up that he like won't be able to stand it. And she like is basically getting her like revenge. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm very excited about her dress. I have like a nice picture of it yeah. in my mind and she looks smoking, let me tell you. Same. In my yeah. brain. <laughs> I was thinking that too. Yes. Also, I'm so sorry if you guys can hear in the background. I'm trying to stop him, but Shadow, John's still asleep, so I am not in my normal bedroom <laughs> setup where I usually record. I'm out in the living room and Shadow is under my chair and I have this like blanket over the chair to like make it a little more comfortable. Shadow's under the blanket under the chair and he's just like gnawing at <laughs> the legs of the chair. So I'm not sure how loud that's happening on the He also is doing this super fun thing where he keeps shooting his paws out at random times and just like s- like slashing Slice, at slicing my feet. you. Yeah, for <laughs> <Yeah>. sure. <laughs> And I keep forgetting and then, like, just sitting normally and, like, moving my feet back. And, of course, he's like, oh, you're playing with me. Let me get like, that for you. Oh, movement? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I have the same problem when I try to go to sleep at night and Shuni's, like, in a playful mood and I'm, like, trying to get comfortable on my bed. And he's like, oh, you're moving your feet around under the covers? Like, <sighs> I just want to play. And I'm like, no, I know I do this sometimes to play with you, but not this time. I'm just tired. <laughs> Read the room, Chuni. Read the room. Get out of here. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. So this section starts with, I think it's with Lee waking up. So she has had, as we kind of talked about last time, she has a wild schedule right now. Mm-hmm. She's been doing, you know, her, uh, what is it, 11 p.m. to 2 a.m. show. Mm-hmm. And then things just keep coming up the next morning. Yeah. 
And, and I feel like this, the whole section started off with like, it's amazing what a good night's sleep will do for you. And I'm like, yeah, girl, that's something I needed to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you felt a little called out by that. I felt a little <laughs> called out by that. But no, she's, she's right. <laughs> She is correct, yeah. <laughs> Getting a good night's sleep. <laughs> yeah, there are definitely a couple parts that she calls that out of like, oh, I couldn't sleep, so I did this, and then I like made myself fall asleep, or yeah, because the whole, the whole, you know, yeah, like kind of like I said, the whole thing is that she her schedule's kind of on end, and uh, yeah, I think one of the last things was that Don had pulled that power move where she didn't get enough sleep, and so this is the next morning. I, I think I even said in the last episode, like, I hope she gets some sleep the next night, and she did. <laughs> yeah, but then something comes up right away, and she has to stay awake for, like, 36 hours straight. It's crazy. Yeah, yeah, that was, that sounded hellish. Like, my body hurt just hearing that. I know. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's pretty immediate. So she wakes up. It's like a little bit later in the day. She, I forget what else happens, but she does another show. And then right before, I think it's right before the show, right? Don calls her. Because mm-hmm. then she's like distracted. Yeah it's, yeah, it's right before the show. And this is, as you might remember, all of the characters at this TV station are described as having like two hats. So everyone has kind of like their official job and then... Don always gives them, like, kind of their side job. So, like, the security guard is also, like, the custodian or, like, the, you know, cleaning staff is also the, um, like, night watchman. And, um, you know, like, they have the Scott, the new reporter, got hired because they also wanted him to be, like, the sports anchor or, you know, like, everyone just kind of has, like, their little side gig that they don't get paid for. Yeah. Yeah, so this is this is Doan's way of giving Lee her side job, which I will say it seems like a very important side job yeah. for someone who is running a like late night not real psychic gig. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> she does get set on an actual reporting assignment. Yeah. Like an out of state reporting assignment. Yeah. And it does kind of come back that like she it, she ends up not getting credit for it. So while she thought she's still like, you know, her goal is to be a TV reporter, mm-hmm. she doesn't get credit for it, even though it's her voice. They literally dub over her voice in this video later. Yeah. But she does do the heavy lifting of they send her to Tampa because she used to live there. And as we said before, that was where... Um, yeah, what was the connection to Tampa before? I forget, because we learn a lot about it in this yeah, so, episode. Yeah, so they find out that the uh, the murder weapon for the second murder, not Ariel Constellation's murder, but the woman who got had her unfortunate demise in her own kitchen. Right. Um, the razor blade that was found as the murder weapon wrapped up in the raincoat that had the TV station's logo on it. Mm-hmm. That was traced back to an army veteran, a military veteran. I don't remember if he was army or what branch he was, but yeah. a military veteran in a, uh, a a nursing home in Tampa where Lee is from originally. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't remember if Doan says, like, how he's getting this information i mean i think the the like the connection was already like 
blared across the world on like a news station. So that information was public knowledge that it had been traced back to this military veteran, but Doan seemed to think that he could get the information about like who exactly it was going to be traced to. So he sends Lee over there to get an interview with this veteran without actually knowing who it was at first. So he just like sends her over to Tampa and is like, I'll call you tomorrow when I get the information. She's like, okay, great. I guess I'll go and just wait for you. Oh my God. I just put my foot directly back. I like sat back down and I just feel Shadow's entire mouth around my heel. (laughs) (laughs) What a dick. (laughs) Nice. Oh, God. Oh, God. Okay, where were we? Um, Okay, so Lee. Yeah, and we do actually find out. So Lee is sent to Tampa to this um, retirement home to interview. Yeah, like like you were saying that... um, Doan thinks that they're going to get some kind of scoop by interviewing this person first. Um, And then it turns out that um, Lee actually does know the retirement home in question because her deceased husband, RIP Johnny, is um, or was uh, because he was a race car driver and pretty well known. The two of them used to go to this retirement center together and do like little hellos and meet and greets with the... um, the residents of the retirement center which is really sweet yeah it was very sweet but also like i feel like kind of a big coincidence like is tampa that small that there's only one retirement center i don't think i feel like it's not oh actually i take it back it's actually not a retirement center it's a va hospital i think so okay so a little bit more specific yeah yeah gotcha yeah Okay, I believe that. Because we start to, this is where some of the uh, the big bigger reveals start to happen because we mm-hmm. start to, so Lee, get, you know, yeah, finishes her show, gets the, um, well, she had already gotten that information, finishes her show, goes home, packs up. Uh, George. Her aunt had already packed for her, which is very nice. I know. Her aunt is, like, really coming out of the the woodwork here with, like, all of the work right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, so she she also had to cancel her, um, it wasn't a tarot card appointment, but it was something with River North. River North? Mm -hmm. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, she did have to cancel her appointment with River North. I feel like it was a like an event that she was supposed to go to. But yeah, I feel like that was the other thing that's like kind of looming around in the story. Concern for her aunt. Grandmother? I like literally right. just forgot who she was. <laughs> We're like 300 pages in. I know. <laughs> i'm still getting it confused with charmed i'm sorry (laughs) oh fair 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 um no this is her aunt Aunt yeah um yes because river i think that was in the last tarot card reading right where she was like watch out Mm -hmm. for your aunt like make sure that like she's really important like make sure that she's safe yeah so i think that's kind of like always and that's what like the same kind of like message came across when um lee called river to cancel her appointment it was like 
be careful yourself, but also like be a little bit concerned for your aunt. So I'm a little worried what's going to happen. Nothing's happened yet, but we'll see. Well, it was also the cat too. It was also Orion um, that, I mean, I guess maybe that was just more, I think, yeah, from River, it was definitely be careful of Aunt Ibby, but it also in translated in Lee's mind yeah. to mm-hmm. uh, Orion as well, just because of the catnapping. And yeah, so uh, we get, we also, before she goes, so she gets home. Yeah, Aunt Ibby has packed everything for her. She grabs her bag. She um, is accepting a ride from George Phelan to the airport um, mm-hmm. at 4.30 a.m., mm-hmm. which again, this is like going back to Scott's, like remember last time we were like, what kind of person are you that you don't accept a donut at like midnight um yeah this one was like what kind of person like happily offers slash like a little bit demands to give you a ride to the airport at 4 30 a.m like i don't know people that love me that want to do that or would volunteer that without me being like hi please do this for me no it's true even within our family when we like fly back into virginia if it's like a 6 a.m arrival everyone's like flipping coins to see like oh. who has to go that early yeah. and that's yes 100 percent family that gets along <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah that was another moment of like what are you up to george yeah you'll also remember well maybe you won't remember but hopefully you'll remember from last time (laughs) this is coming right after the revelation that he has taken nude photos of his own mother and she's like a little bit suspicious of him just from like his potentially awkward family dynamics that she has just learned about and is like doesn't have i will give him the benefit of the doubt she doesn't have like very reliable information because it came from his like intoxicated sister yeah who had like been drinking while on medication right so you know we we have the information that we have at this point but it is still like a creepy enough like incident that she is like i don't know about this like that i don't like i guess it's a ride to the airport but like you know yeah exactly yeah there's a lot riding on this ride to the airport if you will um but it ends up being completely pleasant um she does get more of an insight into his family like he actually does give some some background and Mm -hmm. kind of um they have kind of a little bit of a an emotional talk and he admits that they moved well i think she already knew that they moved around a lot but that they were from cincinnati they had moved around a lot their parents had a pretty terrible marriage that did end in divorce and um at the the one i think one of the biggest things was that he does say that um his dad kind of just left eventually and that his mom was an alcoholic that she actually ended up dying because of her alcoholism uh which he doesn't like fully go into detail about but but that yeah he doesn't see he seems like a little callous about it but maybe just in the way of like giving her information without being like too it it being too much you know it is kind of heavy yeah and he did mention that um like they moved around a lot as kids because his dad was in the military Mm -hmm. i think is this also the conversation 
where he mentioned that like he had gone off oh yeah like as soon as he he like you know finished high school or whatever and then went off on his own and like lived as his um on his own as a photographer for a while and was making it like you know submitting his photos to like you know coffee table books and like magazines and things like that yeah and that you know when his mother died when his um both of their mothers died at um his and janice is that her name <laughs> like <laughs> oh god forgetting characters names um when when his and janice's mother died um he was 20 she was 13 and so they were old en- well, he was old enough to like take care of her and um they became kind of like I guess the like little the close little family unit that um we see them as now even if it is like a little weirdly close for a lot of people's comfort. Mhm. So yeah, I guess that's like a a semi explanation for what Lee experienced at their their home, their apartment. Yeah, and I think this is a little bit later, but Lee does even have the thought that she was like, you know what? I mean, giving George all of the benefit of the doubt, like if we want to swing that far that way, what if his mom was a nudist? She's like, I knew a lot of nudists in Florida. Granted, I feel like there are probably more nudists in Tampa than there are in Cincinnati, but um, yeah, she does kind of say like, maybe, you know, if she was, we don't know. then that would be, it would be so completely different because it would be, you know, a young photographer not really understanding that that's different or not knowing you know, a ton about it. it would just be him capturing what's around him versus like, if it's anything else, it's so fucking creepy, you know, like, yeah, that that revelation actually came a little bit later, because she found out that his mother died. When she died, she was also, oh, nude. that's right. Yeah. And so she was like, well, that's her being nude twice in weird instances, like being photographed by her son and dying. So maybe she was just very naked all the time. Right. Yeah. Question mark. Yeah. Um, But to give Lee a lot of credit, she was very open-minded going into this car ride. And she did leave feeling a lot better about George because he is just so, like, I guess, pleasant and friendly, mm-hmm. which to me is maybe the mark of a serial killer you don't know they're generally pleasant and friendly in you know what i've read oh yeah about them. well i mean i think that's a, a, a big part of a lot of the sort of psyche that goes into certain types of serial killers is that they almost like almost a part of it to them is is being able to keep up a front that is normal like having this secret terrible piece to their life and then simultaneously being able to fool so many people I think is like I mean I haven't done a ton of research into it but just a lot of the stories that I've heard seem to have a, at least an element of that but I also like I don't suspected. know yeah yeah I never would have suspected but also I wonder if that's a little bit of just people being like not able to comprehend things in general yeah well all all that to say I don't think that George is a serial killer at this point, but I mean, at this current moment in time, but when I finished reading about that car ride, I was not, 
as convinced as Lee. I feel like she was like, no, he's a pleasant guy. I like him. Like, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. And I was like, I don't know, girl, maybe you should (laughs) give it it a second. Give it a second thought. Yeah, same. (laughs) Seems a little sketchy to me still. But I think I think I've come to the conclusion that like he's not my prime suspect. But I don't know. The car ride didn't convince me. He also says some really, I, I should have underlined them and uh, kept them so that I could repeat them to everyone. But he says some, like, decently shady things. Decently is the wrong word. Some, like, mildly shady things that kind of just go off as, like, Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, he's whatever. definitely keeping secrets. And we know yeah. that now that he's definitely right. keeping secrets. But I think we knew that basically this whole book. Yeah, like, he's He's got some things hiding in some closets if you know what you know what i mean right yeah for sure they also did i will say they did pretty quickly drop the thread that george would be interested at all in lee romantically so i know i said earlier the third romantic interest i guess i I should take george out of that because even though janice hinted at it it definitely hasn't really materialized like that at all Mm -hmm. yeah because then we go to Tampa. <gasps> we go to Tampa. Oh, hey. Oh, hey. The city of love. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> I was like, there's no way you know that. <laughs> no, I don't think it is. But for Lee, in this moment, in time, that's true. Yeah, it I kind did. of is. <laughs> I really liked this whole section because it did like the, the reasoning. Like, it all kind of fell into place in, like, an interesting way. That, like, it was, it wasn't predictable, but it was, like, oh, that makes a ton of sense that he would be there. And, like, mm-hmm. yeah, I get this, like, this whole interaction. So And it's, like, vacation um, time, so it doesn't yeah. count. But then, like, later it does, and you're, like, Ugh. ooh. And it's, like, up in the air. I don't know. It's, like, a whole, uh, I feel like it's the best kind of, like, new romance, like, kind of like butterflies like suspenseful like is it gonna like what does he think is it gonna be is it not gonna be and then like Mm -hmm. i don't know it's just cute i like it it's super cute it inspired me to watch all of the rom-coms last night (laughs) (laughs) yeah it really does it is very reminiscent to me at least of um oh my god what is his name the um the guy, the police officer, in, or the detective in Practical Magic. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, oh, shoot. What is his name? I literally watch, watch that movie all the time. Yeah, no, terrible at names. So I'm never going to get it. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very reminiscent of Practical Magic. <laughs> the one green eye, one blue. Yeah, that guy. <sighs> so good. Also, this is too... Um, as we, I think, may have mentioned before, but may have gone by the wayside because it's fucking June almost right now. Um, but it is October in this book right now. And so everyone mm-hmm. at, back in Salem is like, oh, my God, it's rainy and gross and, you know, whatever. And they're like literally swimming in uh, Tampa and having like getting suntans. And nice. yeah, it just sounds like a dream. So yeah. to back up a little bit. We did a really good job talking about this person and not saying who it is the entire time, I think. Although I'm going to listen back and be like, we totally gave it away. <laughs> yeah, because I said detective. Sorry. <laughs> oh, you did. You did. You did. Okay. Yeah. My bad. Um, it's a detective. Well, it's the detective. It's Pete Mondello. Um, yeah. So 
we go to Tampa. Lee reads a bunch of books on tarot. She's taken a bunch of uh, Ariel's books on the plane with her. So she's reading about tarot. She's also reading about, she took a book that seemed to be one of the books that Ariel was reading last, which was actually about disassociative disorders. Um, Which just waiting for that to jog something in her mind, but it hasn't yet. Yeah. It's a little bit wild that it hasn't yet. Um, Because it's even like highlighted, like in the book, there are a bunch of things highlighted and she's kind of reading through that. Um, she gets there, she's in a, like a, they, the TV station has a limo pick her up, which is like, okay, would you really have that kind of money to be doing this? I mean, maybe they do. Who knows? Yeah. I like to think, and see, in my mind, it wasn't like a stretch limo. It was just like a limo service and could have been like a regular car. I would like to think that she showed up in that because having a stretch limo take her to a VA like hospital would be really obnoxious yeah like tacky af yeah yeah you're right it could have been just like a town car or like a black car service type situation mm-hmm. um that's what i'm hoping <laughs> i hope right <laughs> so uh yeah she goes she gets taken straight to the va slash retirement community uh and she doesn't even know the name of the person yet that she's going to interview and so as she's waiting, she has to kind of come up with a cover story for the the driver to be like, oh, I can't actually go in yet because I don't know who to ask for. Mm-hmm. So she has also, Doan has given her a camera and the instructions to just do everything herself, basically. So she's kind of getting some, like, B-roll outside of the, uh, the hospital and, like, outside shots and whatever. When Doan calls her and says, hey... I've got the name of the person. Are you sitting down? <laughs> She's like, Ooh. okay, yes. Um, turns out this guy's name is William Valen, aka of, they keep saying too, like, of the Salem, the TV station Valens, which I think is really funny, but like Salem Valens, mm-hmm. the TV station Valens. Yeah. So she's like, wait, really? Like, are valence and okay is- george and janice oh yeah sorry yeah because i don't know if we've ever i mean i can't remember their first names half the time so i'm <laughs> guaranteeing i haven't said their last name before Fair. but as of george and janice who are already looking suspicious right now so yeah. we're like doubling down on our theory that something's fishy yeah exactly And so they kind of talk a teeny bit, like, Lee is kind of like, whoa, like, do George and Janice know? And, um... And also, are we sure it's, like, them? Like, maybe it's not? Right. At this point, we're kind of like, it could be a coincidence. But, like, a really weird coincidence. Yeah, but also, like, in the, the car, we did learn that their dad was military, so she's like, it's probably not a coincidence. I right. don't know, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, exactly. And it does turn out that George and Janice know, but haven't said anything yet. Um, Doan says, like, oh, it's all quiet over here, but yeah, they definitely know. And so Lee goes in to kind of talk to the front desk person, gets, I think she gets, also gets the information from, well, it turns out that like everyone there, a bunch of people remember her too. So she kind of gets some preferential treatment and she gets kind of immediately taken to uh, Sarge, as he is <laughs> nicknamed, to Sarge's area. And like she doesn't. But it also turns out that 
he has another guest there. Yes. She learns that at the front desk, too. They were like, oh, two in one day. And she's like, uh-oh. Oh, Ooh. that's right. We do start getting little hints at it. That's right. And, like, we do get the the little clue, too, that it's someone from out of town as well. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because as she gets there, she rolls on up. And as she's walking up, who is guarding the front door here but Pete Mondello? I mean... Did we suspect anything else? He is a police officer. He would have gotten the same information at the same time. Like, it makes right. total sense. It does. It just was great. Yeah. And she has the, like, you know, they have, like, a cute little talk of, like, Lee? Pete? What are you doing here? And then she also has the moment of, like, am I allowed to tell him why I'm here? Like, no one here mm-hmm. knows yet that I... I'm here as a reporter. Everyone thinks I'm just here at, in as like my previous capacity. And so um, she's luckily saved by that because another like kind of coincidence thing is that she actually has already like seen and met Sarge before. She just doesn't know, she, you know, she didn't make the connection until now. Um, but he was one of the, the residents that she used to visit before with her previous husband. And so he kind of comes out and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, I can't believe you're here, blah, blah, blah. And uses a lot of uh, honey, doll, like, well, mm-hmm, those little mm-hmm, annoying mm-hmm, terms. Mm-hmm. But so he kind of whisks her into the room pretty fast. But Pete, like, listens in the whole time. Because Pete has actually already interviewed him. And so Lee gets what she needs for the station for the tv station which is like not much basically she does an interview with him yeah where she's off camera and it's like you know tell us about the razor like do you know anything about it and he's like oh it was in my you know i already told the cops it was in my footlocker my like um trunk basically Mm -hmm. and i haven't seen it in you know years and years and years it's supposedly back in cincinnati the last time i saw it and then she's like, but the razor was in there. And he was like, yeah, it, the last time I knew of it, it was there. Um, and what else does he say? He says also, oh, she also is really smart. And she makes the, a point to call out, like have him tell a little bit of his background. And like he apparently like lost a leg, I think, in Vietnam. And so mm-hmm. she may basically like smartly to like a humanize him and then B be like, this person he has an alibi yeah yeah there's no okay he's like physically unable to murder two like healthy semi-fit women right yeah um, i'm not saying they're both fit because we don't know but they're like you know healthy and middle age so they're probably uh you know well well stacked up against an old man with one leg right yeah and like yeah just again like i think she talks to you a little bit about the community there and it's just like he's he did not leave yeah. this place yeah she also smartly asks about his family because mm. she's a curious but also i guess to give him like a little bit more of an alibi because you know he was like oh last i saw the trunk it was in cincinnati she was like oh you know like what about your wife wasn't she in cincinnati he was like oh yeah she's been you know dead for however many years 20 ish years at this point um she's like what about your kids and he's like oh i haven't seen them for a while but like george my oldest and she was like yep that's Mm -hmm. that's the connection i was looking for it's definitely the same guy like this is they're the same family. This is, you know, getting a little weird. Mm-hmm. It was already weird. 
but it was just well. confirmed. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, then it gets weirder because she i think this was off camera they kind of stopped their um their tape oh, this and was then... yeah this was um when she was talking to him about the postcards because he right. said that his he didn't know where his kids were he wished he had kept in touch with them more but the youngest had been sending him postcards mm-hmm. yeah and then lee slips up and lee says oh she about the when he mentioned when uh, sarge mentions the youngest and Sarge goes, oh, no, not she, he, my youngest is uh, Willie, named after him. And at this point, Pete is back in the room and they've kind of been talking about the postcards and specifically a postcard that apparently Willie has kept in, more in touch with Sarge than George has. And so there are a number of postcards from Willie uh, that he has tacked up all over his room. And so mm-hmm. they're looking at these postcards. None with a return address, though. So it's... Right. You know, unclear where they were sent from. But we do get the little moment where Sarge is looking at the tote bag that Lee has that has the witch TV call sign on it. And he goes, oh, that looks really familiar. And she's like, well, you wouldn't have been able to see it. It's, you know, Salem local. Mm-hmm. And he's like, yeah, I don't know. I've seen it before. And so I guess we could just say now because I might forget later. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it turns out that on the postcard, so Pete takes pictures of all the postcards and asks if he can take one of the postcards. And it does turn out that the postage stamp, like that actual, like, it's not like a stamp stamp. It's like one of those like postage meter stamps Mm -hmm. is from the witch TV station. So he's seen it. Yeah. With like on the last few postcards from Salem from witch TV. Yeah, and that's actually, it comes up later because, you know, after Lee goes back to Salem, he does end up getting another postcard from Willie. Right, yeah. Um. So this is after, like, you know, multiple conversations where it's kind of confirmed, or at least, like, highly suspected that Willie is in Salem. Um. Or maybe the second postcard. No, it was when he gets the second postcard, and it's, like, postmarked from Salem. He's like... This is, you know, like, confirmation he's in Salem. And also, like, your TV symbol is on, like, the stamp. Like, this is where the postmark is from. Um, So it's highly suspected that not only is he in Salem, but he is, like, very close by. Um, The postcard also says the creepiest shit. It's like, yeah, don't listen to what that lady said about me. Like, whatever she said is wrong. I didn't try to steal her cat. Like right which whatever else red flags all around but also oh, like that yeah. interview was dubbed with a man's voice so the fact yes. that like he knew that lee had gone down like specifically lee had gone down to interview is like oh god what's going on yeah because there's very few people that knew that it was lee that actually conducted yeah. the interview like it was basically just George, Janice, Don. Yeah, pretty much everyone who worked at the station. Yeah, that's true, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But no one outside of the station knew that. Right, right. Yeah, but the the other postcard that was of interest had the, I can't remember the name of the club on it, but it was the same club that Janice had photographed and like printed and framed on her desk. Yeah, I think it was called the Dragon's Den. Yeah. Something like that. Something purple. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Maybe the purple dragon. Something purple like that. Dra- anyway. 
Yeah, it was a club that was in London. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from when Janice was in, so her photo was from when she was in London. Right. And so the one of the postcards was from the same place, and so Lee kind of pinpointed that as like, oh, we should, you know, like take that as a clue um and you know poke into that a little bit more so we do get a like a kind of a little bit more information about that i feel like it's gonna tie in a little bit more later well yeah because that's also i mean this information comes out later when lee has aunt ibby look into um, go to the library and do some digging and also mm-hmm. email her apparently special friend nigel her special friend <laughs> nigel which i I love that name. <laughs> I know, I do too. It kind of reminds me of the wild thornberries. <laughs> I know, yeah. Also, I feel like it's a really good cat name. Oh, yes, definitely a good cat name. Yeah. I mean, it's a I'm, it's a great person name too. Don't be offended if your name is Nigel, <laughs> but... <laughs> yes. Also, like, just think of a really cute cat named Nigel. Yes. Yeah. Um. But, so apparently Aunt Ibby comes back with the information from Nigel. This is a, a later when Lee comes back from Tampa. So we're fast forwarding a little bit here. But don't worry, we'll get back to the romance in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, we just skipped right over. We're just really excited about all the clues. But we are going to talk about the romance. Yes, oh, for sure. But yeah, just to connect the the dragon den and or purple dragon. Um, and it becomes back with the information that the dragon's den is actually a drag club. And that there was, I think, a performer there that went by Billy, Billy Joe, I think, or Billy. Mm-hmm. Billy, I think it was Billy Joe. Billy Joe. Yeah, I Which, thought so. Yeah, she was like, is that William Joseph by any chance? Right. Yeah, exactly. So we get that little tidbit. Which is the name of the, of the, the son. Right. Yes, that's right. The, the younger son. His middle name was Joseph. And we also simultaneously get the information that there's no record because Lee had Aunt Ibby look in, or had Nigel through Aunt Ibby look into all three of them, any record of them in London because George was there too. Janice was there. There's record of Willie and George there. There's no record of Janice valen there yeah so there was record of so they they checked their passports basically and so there was record of george going into the country with a william and then coming back out with a william right and then billy joe we haven't gotten any confirmation on like there's no there's nothing other than a name Mm -hmm. but that's kind of the like tie-in we have with that club yeah right now i'm assuming we'll get more yeah but meanwhile, back in Tampa, yes, we're done with the clues for now, but... I mean, we're um, not done with all the clues, but <laughs> <laughs> but for Tampa, we are. That's true. Well, actually, there, there are a few other things that come through actually in Tampa later because she's trying not to think of naughty thoughts about Detective Mondello. Oh, <laughs> naughty thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, so after the hospital and uh, Pete, or she and she, Pete leaves, she stays to look go visit a few more of the guests, uh, the residents that she had used to visit previously. And Pete is like, hey, I'm staying at this place. And she's like, oh, I know that place. Basically, they end up at the same cute little seaside hotel and end up at the same, I think they like just end up bumping into each other as they are like going out to get some food. Mm-hmm. It's all very like, meet cute like they end up having food together and having like a couple beers and then they just have like 
the most like romantic cute like all afternoon and evening they hang out actually i think there is a clue as there doesn't she ask about the oh she asks about the necklace i think um oh mm -hmm. because we did forget to mention that earlier there's a little bit of a throwaway moment at the very beginning of this section when lee is doing her show she happens to see into one of uh i think it's ariel's locker actually and it has these uh just like a ton of uh, I think they're like pink crystal necklaces. Mm -hmm. And Lee's like, oh, what are these for? And Marty says, oh, actually, um, Ariel got a, a deal on those from a local vendor. And she actually used to like to send them out um, just kind of randomly to callers. And Lee was like, oh, should I do that too? Yeah. And Marty's like, yeah, you can do it whenever you want. Just tell, give like an audible cue for the whoever's screening the calls to get their information. We can send that out to anyone. Yeah, so this also goes hand in hand with the the clue that we get during, that we forgot to mention, um, that we get during her taping of the episode before she went to Tampa. Um, so one of her callers, the first one who called in was like, oh, you know, I just wanted to ask about Orion, you know, like, is he okay? Um, I haven't seen him on the show. And Lee was like, oh, yeah, you know, he's he's fine. He found a new owner. He's really happy. She was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, we just miss him so much. We miss Ariel. You're doing a great job. You know, we miss Evie. And oh, um, yeah, that's right. Lee is like, who's Evie? Um, and it turns out that it's Yvette. Is that her full name? Yeah. Was a, a like, really frequent caller um, when Ariel was on the show. And she is the the other woman who got murdered mm -hmm. so there is that connection that we learned very early on that is i mean we already know the two two murders are connected but now it's like solidified right yeah exactly there's like a direct connection and um lee so in that moment as they're sitting there kind of drinking beers and eating their grouper sandwiches they're having a really nice time and then lee is like hey can i ask you something did uh yvette pelletier have a pink crystal necklace and he immediately turns like cop again because he's like yeah how the fuck did you know that because <laughs> <laughs> she's psychic yeah oh there was another cool moment speaking of psychic this goes back to her powers kind of growing she in the episode right before she left actually fully guesses where oh, so one yeah. of the callers mm -hmm. is like um she's like lee is kind of distracted because she knows she's leaving for florida and is not going to be able to sleep for yeah as you said like 36 hours and uh so a caller calls in and is like hey uh, my husband gave me this watch and like it's really important i lost it do you know where it is and she's like fuck <laughs> like, <laughs> like how would i know where that is <laughs> yeah it's like oh god i would have to be a real psychic for that like don't you know i'm not a real psychic but she actually like she thinks about it she like focuses on it and she actually can see it she like sees it in her mind's eye and is like is there a play is there like a smaller bathroom in your house with like you know she describes like a really specific place in a really specific bathroom in this house and she's like oh yeah yeah uh, yeah there is let me go check and lee's like no no you can just call me <laughs> back it's fine but um this caller is like oh i'm on a cordless phone let me go check and so she goes and checks and it's there so it's like pretty mm -hmm. impressive she like found it the exact place that it yeah. was lost which marty is impressed by yeah talk about confirming your powers in front of everyone i feel like she was that was yeah that was the moment where everyone was like 
Oh god, she's either gonna be like outed as a fraud or like something, something special's going on here. So, mm-hmm. which later Marty does confirm that Ariel got a little bit into that too. Like towards the end, she was like mm-hmm. getting a little more powerful yeah. and could do similar things. But also right before she died, so we're a little bit nervous for Lee. At least I am. Oh, that's true. Yeah, I didn't think about that, but that's a really yeah. good point. Uh oh. Um, but back to the romance. Back to the romance, yes. So, yeah, Pete and Lee spend the day together, and as they they definitely have a nice little good night kiss on the way back to their rooms. Yes, very passionate, and very exciting. But that's that's that. Yes, we didn't get anything more exciting. Yeah, a la Lily and Jackson Braun. No, but we. <laughs> I was going to say, at least we got that. I feel like Lily and Jackson Braun, we don't even get that. Yeah, we don't even get confirmation of kisses in Lily and Jackson Braun's books. (laughs) (laughs) So thank you for that, Carol J. Perry. (laughs) Um, And so, yeah, that's when she goes back into her room to try to distract herself because she's, like, obviously pretty, like, keyed up or whatever. And, uh... So she starts watching some some more old Ariel videos that she has with her. And um, I think, what was it? One of them, she basically links two voices in oh, this. Like, yeah, two, like, it was uh, Billy. Oh, that's right. The caller was actually named Billy. That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, it was a like, young, young man's voice. And his name was Billy. And I forget what he was asking in the Ariel Constellation video. It was something about his brother maybe like his brother is too like keeping too close of an eye on him oh that's right i didn't that part didn't it didn't sink in as well but the other part sunk in for me that was um uh billy was trying to get a cat for his mom or something yeah that was her collar so i don't know i I feel like we did mention this in the first was it the first section or the second section Anyway, one of her first callers on her first night was a young man named, I think it was Billy, um, Mm -hmm. who was having trouble with his mom and like, oh, my mom's too overbearing. Um, Like, she wants me to do things that I don't want to do or, you know, like something general like teen angst. And her advice was like, oh, we'll just, you know, like, listen to your mom. Like, basically, you know, like, you're a young kid. Your mom probably knows better. Like, Mm -hmm. try to get along. And yeah, there was something about a cat, like, oh, I'll, you know, like, you're right, I'll try to go get her cat for her. Yeah, and that was kind of that. We didn't, like, no one paid attention to it, because it didn't make any sense. But you're right, she linked the two voices of mm-hmm. Billy in the Aerial Constellation tape, whose over brother, her older brother was overbearing, mm-hmm. and the Billy in the first, her, like, very first recording call who was going to get a cat for his mom. Yes. And I think he mentioned his mom's name. Oh, yeah, he did. Um, Lena, which uh, George and Janice's mom's name was Marlena. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that was quite a bit. And we do get some more information about that. Should we share that now, just in case we forget later? <laughs> Be sure. Yeah, so the other tidbit to that, which is that later, and I I honestly forget which point in the section Lee uh, realizes this, but 
she basically later realizes that because of the the day that that call came in that was it was i wasn't it all janice like janice was doing it was during her test taping and so janice was at home she wasn't feeling good no it was during her her first it was during her first episode so it was when Rhonda was doing the screenings oh i guess i thought i heard that wrong like or i read that wrong i thought it was when Janice was home because remember there was a point where Janice was doing all the voices of yeah, different callers. So that was that was two that was actually that was two separate ones. So this is like a little oh. bit more. This is like a little bit later on, but yeah, we could talk about it now. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So Billy, when she was watching the tapes, the Aerial Constellation tapes, the old ones, she recognized Billy's voice and connected him with the Billy that she had gotten. Mm-hmm. In her her first episode where Rhonda was doing all the screenings and George stepped in. Got it. And she was like, oh, I gotta, you know, like, make a mental note to, like, let people know that there's, like, you know, a kid calling in who just wants to, like, you know, be obnoxious. Like, you know, he's probably just, like, making these stories up to, like, hear himself on, on air. Mm-hmm. But then later on, I you're right, I don't remember what like made her make this connection but she did make a connection with another caller that she heard paul Mm. who had an issue he had some like you know other issue and i don't remember exactly what it was but she was like oh those actually those voices are exactly the same but that doesn't make any sense because that was during my like preview before getting hired call where janice was all of the callers and so all of the voices were janice it doesn't make any sense that paul sounds like billy right and they even made a point to like compliment janice at one point to be like wow you you have a real like vocal range like that's really Mm -hmm. impressive yeah so that was like another little bit of that yeah so yeah at least at this point it kind of this is kind of going back to our concerns uh i believe because at this point it is becoming pretty clear that janice and willie are probably the same person yeah and it doesn't come out in this section so there are a couple of like other instances where you know like we get more clues and basically all of them are pointing to this fact that willie slash janice have some sort of like dissociative personality disorder that they're you know two separate people in the same like physical form or two separate personalities um individual personalities and yeah so i think it's to to me i hope that they consider this more in the like and it does they do mention it in other conversations with george where he talks about like you know, this is, you know, something is going on, you know, it's not physical, it's psychological. And, you know, we need to, you know, make sure Janice gets, you know, the right help with like the right, you know, professionals in the like mental illness field. But yeah, you're, you're right. I am a little bit concerned that they, at least in the like London aspect of their life are bringing in like drag clubs because that doesn't. Yeah necessarily fit with the the feel of it being like two separate personalities you know yes yeah exactly like like willie is not a 
like a woman and Janice was never a man. Like these are two different personalities. Like these are two different people. Yeah. But they are like also this the same in the sense that they like inhabit the same physical form. So I yeah, like I I get that it's like concerning in the sense that we don't know how it's going to be addressed in the next section yeah i think that's it it's that like trepidation of like oh god like this is handled so poorly so often that like Mm -hmm. and yeah again it's like used a lot in mystery to try to like you know point one way and then another and you know to throw in some twists and turns that yeah it just feels like i'm i guess i'm worried that it's gonna turn out to be something like you know using mental illness as a plot twist or using yeah like you said like bringing in the idea of drag that that feels like like if that were fleshed out and if that were like a real like that would be a really interesting like aspect of any of these characters personalities but the fact that it is coming into the this the person that we maybe think is potentially the murderer in a way that that maybe points to the murder like i don't know it just seems very like you're using these things, these aspects of like real people's lives as plot twists or as like something that could point towards evil. I think that's like the bigger thing that I was worried about is like, I don't know, it's always really touchy to, to like, use mental illness to point towards like, oh, that makes them a murderer or like, oh, that and like drag the same way. Like, it seems like, I I just hope we're not going towards a place where it's like, you know, Janice is the murderer, Willie or Willie is the murderer because they're mentally ill or because they're like, or like putting either of those aspects into like the realm of like other or bad or weird or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just rambling. I'm just concerned. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. And also to like blur the lines between like, different instances where like gender constructs are you know not in the like stereotypical like normative pattern and like not defining that like a a drag queen is different than someone with like multiple personalities you know like that's something that needs to be unfortunately said because it's not always like, if you write it the wrong way, it's not always clear to, to people who, like, aren't a part of either culture and who might not have a better understanding of what's going on. Yeah. So to, to have both of those in the same storyline, it does it is, like, a little concerning that it's not, or I don't know, I haven't read the fourth part yet, but, it, like, that it might not be like clearly defined or like described accurately that's true i mean maybe we just have our, our hackles up and maybe that maybe we'll be proven wrong <laughs> i hope we are no we haven't been to the future yet i haven't read the fourth part i have not no so we'll see i mean i i don't know we could be pleasantly surprised that's true i kept getting worried that like it was going to flip all the way around and that Pete was going to somehow be the murderer. And then I was like, that better not happen. I'll be so sad. <laughs> oh, no, not Pete. Not Pete. So, yeah. Okay. So we've addressed our concerns. We've addressed the big twist that Lee doesn't get yet, but we think that we might get. Mm-hmm. The last bits of this are um, 
Lee and Pete fly back to Salem. They have a little, I think Lee a little bit overreacts in this one moment where they are flying back and Pete basically just asks her again about how she knew. Like, Lee has explained it already, the Mm -hmm. um, necklace thing. And she's kind of like rightly like, oh, I don't want to explain it to you again. Like, Scott already, you know, took me on a date to pump me for information. So she's like a little wary. But Pete is, like, very intentional about being, like, I do not think you had anything to do with this. I have to ask. Like, Mm -hmm. my captain is asking. So there's that. They fly back. George drives her home. And they have a little combo in the car that, like, not much comes of that combo, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I he does... I, I think I was, like, a little bit put at ease with him at this point because, I mean, the... The conversation flying when she was going to the airport to fly to Tampa, I was like, "Uh uh-uh, I don't, I still don't trust him. Mm. But I feel like coming back, it was, like, very clear that he knew what was going on. And I was like, oh, no, what if he's, like, gonna take her away to murder her? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Because he knows what's going on. But, I mean, he kind of, like, came right out with it, which made me trust him a little bit more because communication is key. He was like... I think she was trying to, like, avoid everything at first because she didn't know how much he knew and she had just, like, grilled his father for information without, like, telling him or, like, you know, weird family dynamics. But he kind of came right out with it and was like, I know you have questions and you're just being too nice to, like, ask me about them. But, like, we know. And, you know, the police came to our house. They already checked the locker. It was empty. Like, I don't know what happened i've had it as a coffee table for like forever we've had it through four moves like it's just one of those things where like anything could have been lost at any point right and which was like a little bit like i don't know like you've had it through four moves don't you like check that periodically he does add that they had to there was a lock on it that he had lost the key to and that the cops actually Mm -hmm. had to break the lock to get into it which, yeah. I mean, yeah, I had a lot of more questions about this, too. That actually, my first question Aunt Ibby brought up later, she was like, wouldn't they, like, if they had moved that many times, wouldn't they know the weight of a thing? Like, I know I haven't touched my trunk in, like, four years, but I know, like, I would know if it were empty and there were, like, mm-hmm. mothballs rolling around in it. And right. she brings that up, too. Yeah. But then Lee's like, well, I guess not if they had, like, professional movers do everything. Yeah. But... Yeah. I don't know. There's just like a lot more questions. Right. And yeah, she, <laughs> I think that at that point, I can't remember who brought it up, who brought up the professional mover point, but Lee was thinking back and was like, yeah, their apartment was definitely like professionally staged. Like it was too immaculate right. and beautiful. Like, of course they had professional movers. Right. Yeah. You know, but the other kind of connection that she made there was he said that right the the trunk was empty but it only had like a couple of mothballs in it but um whoever got close it might have been the the taxi driver whoever got close enough to their cat burglar yeah that's right um, their cat kidnapper sorry cat burglar is an actual term (laughs) 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 their cat kidnapper um said that you know their their eyewitness said that he smelled like mothballs so we're making connections there too which that's yeah that's really interesting yeah i think there was something else too oh everyone was asking george if he knew 
that the razor had had at any point been in the trunk and he was like i I don't really know like it just was full of junk Mm -hmm. like it could have been and i just didn't know um he said the most he knew about were a few medals that his dad did cooperate uh at one point and george was like i i wanted to get those medals put in like a shadow box at one point but i guess that's over now because i don't they're gone like i don't even know where Mm -hmm. they are yeah so that was interesting and i think i think it was right after that lee like calls she calls pete a couple times to like give a couple updates oh it was about the because um it was at this point that we find out more from aunt ibby and nigel and then sarge calls again and is like i got another postcard so Mm -hmm. lee has a couple different like semi-frantic calls to pete of like i have more information and then like doesn't say like call me (laughs) (laughs) yeah but then kind of does later because the last last thing that happens is that uh well we have a couple other things yeah i guess the section was kind of long yeah the section had I don't know if it was long or if it was just, like, a lot of things happened. <laughs> That's true. It did have a lot of things in it because we still A lot have... of, like, yeah. This was this was no Lillian Jackson brawn. A lot of things happened. This is, like, actual a lot of things happened. <laughs> yes. No, same. It's not, like, Quillerin going to the interior decorating store and then, like, debating getting a kilt and then going to have lunch. This is, like... Right. <laughs> investigative reporting midnight kisses uh flying (laughs) across the eastern seaboard (laughs) yeah and then when she gets back her next recording session is like chock full of like it's just like kind of a frantic night it is a super frantic night run through it yeah okay how how fast can we do this okay (laughs) let's go um so she gets to the studio no one knows she's there she like magically slips by on a you know everyone's unaware of her presence yeah she makes it to the dressing room she hears janice who is not supposed to be there because she's supposed to be having one of her headaches Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she hears janice arguing with a a voice that she like kind of recognizes but doesn't really recognize it's like i should know who this is but i really don't i have no idea it's just like a man's voice um and it's a very threatening conversation yeah so Janice is like, I don't really remember like how the conversation starts out, but she definitely sounds like really scared. And the the voice is, you know, saying the other, the man's voice that she's arguing with is saying things like, you know, he's in, like insulting her and like telling her that like he got rid of the other ones. So like she needs to do what he says. And I don't know. Do you remember any, like the actual details of this conversation? Because I'm kind of blanking on them. I just remember it was really, like, threatening and t- kind of, like, alluded to, like, maybe what happened to their mother. Yeah. And, like, maybe what happened to the, like, Ariel and the other woman. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was very aggressive. I think you, yeah, got most of it. And then there was, like, yeah, some, like, really weird, like, telly situations where um, the male voice kept saying things like, oh, it could have been, yeah, what was it? I, I forget the ex- exact lines, but basically they were like alluding to the idea that this person this voice had maybe killed the mom Mm -hmm. like oh it was like i'll push you down the stairs too was one of the Mm -hmm. lines or like yeah what was the other one the biggest thing because that's what lee takes away is that she was like i might have just heard 
a murder confession. Right. Yeah, it was, um, I think it was also concerning to her that Janice wasn't supposed to be in the studio at that point. So she runs back, Lee runs back out. Cause I, oh, the voice, the man's voice was like, someone's listening in, like, go check the door. And so Lee goes running back out to be like, oh God, I hope they don't see me. Right. And then comes back in and that's when everyone is kind of like in the the like lobby and is like, oh, hey, Lee, like, welcome. You're here early. And she's mm-hmm. like, I've been here before. Didn't you see me? <laughs> but like, yeah. I guess kind of luckily for her, no one caught that she was there early. So she like comes back in and finds George really fast to be like, hey, how's Janice? Is she here? I know she's not supposed to be, but I think I just heard voices in the dressing room. Like, we should go check on her. Yeah. Um. So she and George run down. He he believes her, which like to me was a little bit su- surprising. I guess I was expecting him to be like, oh, haha, like, no, don't worry about it. Janice is at home. But he like takes it really seriously, which makes me less suspicious of him. Yeah. And is immediately like, oh no, is she talking to a man? Like, we need to go check on her. Yeah. So they run down to the dressing room. Of course, no one's there. And he pulls up something that does make me a little suspicious of him. But like, (laughs) knowing what I think we all know at this point is like makes sense he pulls up his phone and is like i have a look at this just have like a monitor in her room i track her nightly schedule and pulls up like his video feed of like a surveillance camera that's like in her bedroom which is super creepy but i guess yeah you suspect that her second personality is a murder yeah maybe but anyway it shows that Janice is in bed asleep. So he was like, nope, she's, you know, in bed. Don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. Which does not comfort Lee. She's like, no, I'm actually still very worried about this. As <laughs> yeah. any normal person would be. So she calls Pete, uh-huh. who does come down to the station and hangs out while, you know, she like frantically tells him the story and she hangs out or he hangs out while she's recording um, her like nightly session video nightshade movie nightshade <laughs> movie caller sessions mm-hmm. um so he hangs out and is kind of like you know hanging out with george trying to like get a little bit more information maybe you know just kind of like waiting for her to take her home afterwards also and then i i think the next biggest thing is we talk to marty right who kind of has a like a very similar story not of the same night, but of a different night where she was like, oh, actually, that sounds really familiar. I've had a really similar experience where, you know, Janice was supposed to have had one of her headaches, um, one of her migraines. You know, she was you know supposed to be at home resting, but I could have sworn I, I heard her arguing with like a really familiar but not like super distinguishable male voice. And, you know, I wasn't listening in. I wasn't trying to like butt in or like... I just wasn't trying to get involved at all, but it did sound really threatening. Yeah. So I think that's the second thing we bring to Pete, or Lee brings to Pete, um, just being like, I know you maybe don't believe me because there's no proof and, like, no one has, no one, like, saw me come in the first time, no one saw Janice at all in the, the studio, but at least Marty has a similar story, so this isn't, like, completely out of the blue and, like totally insane and to his credit he doesn't seem like 
I mean, he seems like he believes her to me. He doesn't seem like totally dismissive, even though it is kind of a like wild story. Yeah, true. And he he definitely is really great. He also was like really excited that she called him, which was really cute. So <laughs> there's that. Um, yeah, no, he did a great job. And then like, I think that was mostly it. Um, Lee just the rest of the night is like really jumpy oh except at the end of the night Lee again is like I don't want to change in that dressing room because she was like hiding outside the dressing room and the voices were coming from inside the dressing room so she didn't actually see anyone mm-hmm. um, but she was like I don't really want to go in that dressing room so she to change out of her which I was like just you're just on your way home, home. In just your go skirt. home yeah it doesn't yeah. matter it's 2 a.m like right no one's gonna see you i mean but then again pete is gonna see her so she he's already she seen her all night it's fine <laughs> that's true that's true um but so she was like oh i'll go into there's like a tiny little powder room in the lobby in the front lobby so she goes there and is changing and all of a sudden here's george as he's walking out on the phone and he's like talking to janice supposedly at the beginning of the conversation he's like are you okay like how's everything doing and then it like really quickly flips and he's like willie you little bastard and uh we don't get it in scene but we hear later uh, a few more pieces of information that actually i can't fully remember but she tells pete later because she freaks out and is like i don't know what to do should i stay should i go so she stays and she like stays hidden and then George leaves, and then she immediately runs out, and Pete's waiting for her in the parking lot. So she, like, recounts all of this to Pete. Um, they have, like, she's, like, really concerned about Janice. She's like, oh, my God, Willie is in their house. Like, he is, mm-hmm. you know, they're talking so aggressively to him, and, like, he's in their house. Like, we have to go check on them. And this is where... Yeah, he also just, like, always seems threatening to Janice. Yeah. And, I mean, granted, we think they're the same person which like i guess kind of makes sense that they're like always together right but to lee who like doesn't put two and two together at this point is like is rightly very concerned about janice because you know in the conversation that she heard george having he was very clear like you leave her alone like stop threatening her Mm -hmm. so yeah she's you know Rightly concerned at this point and convinces Pete to swing by their house. Oh, I think one of the other pieces of information that she hears George say is that he says something along along the lines of like, that wasn't her fault. Like she didn't, I alluding to pushing the mom down the stairs, like, you know, that wasn't Janice, like that wasn't her fault or something like that. And so Lee tells that to Pete too. And so, yeah, Lee convinces Pete to drive by. She's like, go arrest Willie. And Pete's like, I, that you know that that's not how any of this works like we'll just go and knock on the door and see make sure everyone's okay which they are like they go they knock on the door george answers the little there's like a camera that you know shows the front door and so george like kind of radios out over the intercom and is like yeah yeah we're all fine here no nothing going on thanks for the concern but no we're fine and so lee i guess feels a little bit better not much but it's like i don't know what's going on here and then uh, Detective Mondello drops her off at her house and they have another midnight kiss. A steamy moment. Yeah, I liked this one because she she compared him to Scott and he just exceeded all expectations. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because when it was like in the same spot, right? That's got yeah, yeah. Because I, I think it was like the first section where they had their little like she had her little date with Scott, and when he dropped her off, there was like some lingering eye contact, and then nothing. And she was like, "This time yeah. there was no lingering eye contact. She just went <laughs> off for it." <laughs> yeah, which we appreciate. Good yeah. work, Pete. Yeah. Okay. So then that's almost the end. So the end, we kind of already like gave yeah. the information that, so this is the point where Lee finds out all that information from Aunt Ibby, um, from Nigel and the mm-hmm. library. Mm-hmm. Which we already talked about. This is the, the like London nightclub right. information. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Yeah, definitely. And the information that about the passports of like yeah. Willie and George going in and out of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, no one else. Yeah. But no, yeah. No mention of Janice. No like record of any. Well, there are records of Janice's, but like it's not an uncommon name. So there's no record of like specifically the Janice we know. Yeah, exactly. I know I liked the little like statistic that Aunt Ibby is like. They're, they're, you know, approximately, they're going to be four Janices or so on every plane you're on. And I'm like, hmm, I'm going to think about that from now on. <laughs> seems like a lot of Janices. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It's like, all right, this may be high. But apparently there were four other Janices on that same plane, but no Janice Valen. Yeah. So, yeah, what's the last thing? So I think the last thing, she talks to River again. She does talk to River again. I think the last thing is her, she has, George picks her up one more time. Right. Um, so she, the next day she goes shopping for like, you know, different oh, costume right. options and her sexy, sexy dress that she's going to yes. wear to the witch's ball, which I'm really excited about. It's apparently she wanted to like totally like glam out and be very like glitzy. So she went to a, like a vintage shop for some costumes for like her crystal moon character, just for like kind of general show wardrobe. And they had this amazing, when they said 80s, I was like, oh no, but apparently it's not what you're thinking. Mm -hmm. It's this like amazing vintage, like super sheer, like I'm picturing kind of like a Jennifer Lopez style, like really form fitting, like sheer dress with like crystals and glitter, like in really strategic spots. Yeah. Maybe, like, a more of a, like, Rihanna dress. You know, that, like, naked dress that she wore where it was, like, really shiny. Yeah, that's what I was kind and, of... And, like, glittery, and it was just, like, completely, like, see-through. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of what... Yes. Anyway. Yeah. It, it apparently, like, is amazing and, like, fits her perfectly, but is also, like, very expensive. <laughs> so right. So she, um... Decide, she talks to the shopkeeper and she was like, oh, I know your boss. Like, he'll buy it for you. Don't worry. Just go show him if he likes it. He's not going to, like, be worried about the price tag. So she, you know, like, she packs it up and calls to get a ride back to the station and George comes to pick her up. So I think the last scene we get is actually the car ride with her and George. Yes? That's right. Yeah, I scene? think so. Yeah. And this is the one where, like, George kind of... I mean, he doesn't actually spell it out, but he, like, kind of basically spells it out. Mm-hmm. And Lee is still, like, not really Clueless. getting it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because George keeps saying things like, oh, like, I know, I know things are... Because she kind of confronts him and is like, what is going on? Like, you guys are acting like nothing is wrong yeah. from last night. Also, you're 
brother lives in town and he's a serial killer and threatening your sister like explain please yeah and he's like i know i know it's bad like we got rid of him once we'll do it again like i have a psychiatrist lined up janice won't want to go but i'll get her there and so like he pretty quickly links like mental illness with willie Mm-hmm. in particular and yeah but he lee doesn't quite pick up yeah on it. he is a little bit i mean he's very vague he doesn't like s- spell it out he's just like we got you know like we did get rid of willie once like we'll do it again like i and she um i think lee says something like well why don't you just like bring him in every time he's at your house and he's like i would if i could but i can never catch him like he's never oh yeah there when i get there like he's you know at my house or like we know where he is and then as soon as i get there he's gone yeah um so she's like well why don't you like is there anywhere that he would be staying like you know don't you have any more information about where he would go um and that's where george kind of has his little like breaking point moment where lee's like oh god he's you know in on it he's crazy like what's wrong with this person right um because he just kind of like like laughs it off and like goes into hysterics because like to someone who to george like or to anyone who knows what we think we know where you know like willie wouldn't be going anywhere like he's not staying with other people you know and right so it is probably a little comical to him that he's that lee isn't quite grasping the truth of the situation and to be fair he does seem george does seem willing to explain at this point but lee like hears and sees him laughing and is like oh no what is wrong with this person and just kind of like yeah yeah and you know george is like no come back i'll try to explain it to you and she's like no absolutely not like yeah. this is a serious matter there's a murder on the loose and you're laughing this off like no i need to leave yeah so i think that's kind of where we leave it i think so too yeah cuz she's going in this is for her show and i don't think we get another another show yet Mm-mm. so yeah i think that's really the end of that that chapter but yeah we'll see because we still don't know like as obvious as we feel like they maybe are making the willie janice connection we still don't know why specifically they would either of them if that's what it's pointing towards would have killed ariel and yvette yeah there's also been some like very minor hints that like mrs doe could be dow Doe? How have we been pronouncing that? Yeah, I was saying Doan. Doan. Yeah. That's right. Um, That Mrs. Doan could be connected in some way. And I'm like a little bit suspicious that she could also have been a part of the coven at some point. Oh, that's right. could be very wrong. So this is uh, the wife of Doan, the like director, ped, honcho what have been we've been calling him president of the station yeah um mm-hmm. his wife who is apparently like very like just very influential i guess like we don't really see her other than her uh protest with her church at ariel's death site but we do get some like 
kind of little tidbits of her appearing in this section. So Doan sends Ariel or sends um, Lee Crystal some flowers at the beginning and Rhonda was like, oh, you must have like, you know, garnered some favor with Mrs. Doan because she wouldn't let him send flowers to just anyone. Like she would definitely be involved in this decision. So she must trust you and like you. And like, she used to like Ariel too. They used to be best friends. And so we get that kind of like, what happened? You know, like there has to be more to this story. And so I, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit a little bit more to be learned and there might be some connections there. Well, yeah, because we also get from Marty a little bit later that uh, Mrs. Doan and Ariel used to actually be friends, but there was a falling out at some point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is pretty wild to think about, especially given that like moment where we're pretty sure that Mrs. Doan was like saying something like, glad that witch is dead back at the beginning. Right. Yeah. We also get a little bit of like, a weird like witchy vibe from that friendship because like the uh, the supposed reason that they like stopped being friends is because mrs stone thought ariel had like put some sort of a like dysfunctional down there curse on her husband if you know what i mean (laughs) oh my god that's right i forgot all about that (laughs) yeah which is like not funny but like kind of funny (laughs) Well, yeah, because it goes all the way back. Like, that actually was a good addition because it's, like, that goes back to the, like, stupid shit that um, that they were, like, killing women for back in actual Salem. Like, that's the kind right. of thing that they would be like, oh, my husband can't perform anymore. It must be because this beautiful woman over here casts some kind of spell on him. And it's like, yeah. Well, Probably not. <laughs> Probably not. But also, like, at some point in this section, I think it was Rhonda was talking about how Mr. Joan is, like super doting on his wife and like sneaks Mm -hmm. down his like secret staircase in like the middle of the afternoon to go back and like you know hang out with her and check on her and whatever he's just like very like i don't want to use the word submissive toward to her but like very like you know like he is like she she's clearly like the matriarch of that relationship And, and like i don't know to me it kind of seemed like I don't know if she was worried about like Ariel messing with his like his 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 functions, you know, like was she also in the coven? Like was she also a witch? Does she also like have some sort of spell over him? Because That's true. Maybe. Maybe. Like maybe he's just a doting husband, but maybe she also has some sort of like power of her own, which I think would be interesting. Yeah. I have to say I would be I would be much more intrigued if there was some form of, like, rivalry and Mrs. Doan was actually the one that killed. It actually, like, logically makes a little bit more sense. Even that, like, tenuous threat at this point makes more sense and harkens back to, like, the history, kind of like a lot of cozy mysteries do, like the cat who, like, that seems to make more sense to me than the idea that that Janice and or Willie how like we don't even there's not even a hint of a connection at ariel unless it was just strictly that right because we do think that at this point that ariel might have found out that there was some sort of disassociative personality disorder or mental illness happening with janice and willie um just based on those underlined words in the book or sentences in the book that lee has so yeah it's like it's like a little juice it would be juicier and kind of more gossipy and fun 
if it was Mrs. Doan and there was like, like we've been saying the whole time, like a rivalry of covens, like that's mm-hmm. so much more interesting and less problematic overall. Yeah. And right. Yeah. And like a little bit more true to the actual like book and storyline, mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah. Because it is like, it is more fun to have like a, like a mystical mystery than it is to just be like, oh, you're trying to like use the same disorder that then becomes incredibly common because everyone's trying to use it in a mystery. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, also a lot of times like it just uh, perpetuating the stereotype that mm-hmm. anyone with this illness is potentially dangerous, you know, that like it just doesn't. There's just so many things about it that are like, oh, I don't know, but it would be right. It would be so much more in keeping with the actual theme of the book if it was still based in covens and witchcraft and things like that. So, yeah, we shall see. We still have one more part. We've got one more part. So come back next time. We will uh, let you know the hopefully... Um, not quite as troubling ending as we suspect it may be, but we suspect it may be. Fingers crossed. Yeah. So, thanks for listening, guys. We really appreciate it. We hope your quarantines are still going, you know, as, as they're going. I mean, it's hard to say well, but we are, we do hope you're doing well. (laughs) We hope you are free of troubles. Whether, <laughs> whether they be <laughs> pandemic related or otherwise. <laughs> yep, yep, same, yes, always. And uh, as always, yeah, hope you are snuggling close to all your your little pets and give them all <laughs> love for us. <laughs> My cat's on vacation. Oh, no. <laughs> uh, Mushu's not as cuddly as Chuni is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> womp womp. It's okay. I force him out sometimes. <laughs> yeah, he's got to go run around at the farm. Yeah. No, Mushu, I force him out. Oh, oh, oh. I force him to cuddle with me. <laughs> oh, fair. Well, yes. As... Yeah, Chuni doesn't need any forcing. He loves roaming the farm. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes all right well thanks again everyone you can find us on social media and we'll see you next time yeah all right bye bye